0: Welcome to Calmagers. I'm Brian Costello,
1: and I'm Jim Desanto. And today we're joined by one of our uh, longtime commenters on the uh, Facebook has, and maybe more of a fan of Lord of the Rings than I am.
0: That's saying something.
1: Cousin-in-law, Drew. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Hello, Com Majors. I guess cousin hey, cousin in law is the uh, Cous- cousin in law. No, you know, yeah, you know, yeah cousin, whatever. You I can guess. label that. <laughs> well, you know, here here's the interesting thing. Com Majors has been on vacation for a solid month, yet Katie needed to extend her vacation. Now, yes. I don't know if she's she's done this before. Usually, when we have Kenan from Pop Addled on. You know she'll yeah. just make up an excuse of why she can't actually be on the program yeah she said this was
1: work related but i don't i can't vouch for, work, you know i can't work, work confirm or deny
0: work related whether she's just uh, drinking
1: a whole bottle of white wine by herself by herself
0: preparing in the for room? the school year yeah, yeah she could be <laughs> uh but she's missing us kicking off our sequel september where we revisit well don't revisit we return to a movie universe that we've talked about on a previous episode of Com majors. And we're going way back in the time machine here, all the way back to the 25th episode of Com majors. We are number one fifty five now uh, 25th. And we're returning to Middle Earth. And this time we're going to be discussing the Lord of the Rings, the two towers. But first, as always, we ask the most pressing question of every episode: What does everybody have to kick off September?
1: I went with uh, four roses, neat in the gift from Keenan. The uh, I'm trying to make make it visible there, but it's no, the, it uh, We see that the Jedi that, yeah. logo tumbler that he gave me.
0: <laughs> Fantastic, Drew. What do you have, sir? Well,
2: I went with uh, Angels Envy, and I was not sure if this was going to be com, com majors. Extended edition of the two towers? Yeah. So, I, so did you, go rocks. I, think, <laughs> I did go rocks. I did go rocks. I did go fall last. I think it's I, a, a great decision. Figures, we're going if we're doing extended edition, I didn't think that was gonna cut it. So I went <laughs> I went uh, rocks and I went full.
0: Listen, it doesn't matter if it's an extended edition or a regular edition of Commagers. <laughs> the goal usually is to consume as much as possible. And minus Katie on this episode, we need somebody to step to up to the up. Plate and yeah. take a hit for the team. I, I'm going along with my, one of my favorites, Moat Mountain Call a Day Double IPA. One of my favorite IPAs uh, to get from the amazing Moat Mountain, of course. Okay. Uh, we are Katie-less. Yeah, we don't need to so, re- do... well. S- so, Jim, why don't you just give us... Maybe you could yeah. give a, a quick... Not even rundown necessarily. Just give us a quick overview of what we need to know about Middle-earth and yeah. the Lord of the Rings going into and, this and movie. And Drew
1: can jump in here too. And and uh, So for this... Uh, basically, this movie picks up literally not even where the last one stopped, but it actually jumps back and covers a little bit of, of a of a story from the last movie that we didn't get to see. Um, but it basically starts off with Frodo and Sam separated from the Fellowship. The Fellowship's broken. Um, Merry and Pippin have been kidnapped by Sauron's orcs, and Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas are chasing after to uh, rescue them, while Frodo and Sam are heading towards uh, Mordor. Um yeah, and so that's sort of where this picks up, and and the two towers referenced in this movie are Barador, which is the the tower where Sauron the Eye, um, which is you know an iconic image from the movie is that big big eye, and then wow, oh, I always forget Sauron. Oh, Cause yeah. <laughs> oh, Isengard. They're taking the Isagar- Isagard is where um <laughs> where Sauron uh. You know, v- lives. It's his, uh, his like castle. Um, and so he's the wizard who basically turned bad in the, in the, in the first movie and captured Gandalf and did all, did all that stuff and started raising an orc army. Um, and so our, our heroes are sort of sandwiched right in the middle of, of these two towers. And that's, that's kind of where we start.
0: All right. Well, listen, that rundown had proper character it, names, much longer, much Dep- longer than normal. <laughs> (laughs) detail. And the Um, most
1: difficult character names.
0: Yes. Um, Seems like you might have watched the film, which is always somewhat questionable in the rundown. Sometimes sometimes questionable how many times you might have fallen asleep. Uh, If all of that was a foreign language to you, might I suggest a commager's drinking game for this episode? If Drew or Jim reference a species of Middle Earth that you have no idea what they're talking about, drink. I'm going to do that because I don't know many of these different things either, having watched the movie. So feel free to play along at home if you're listening, unless you're driving.
1: I kept a pretty high level there. I didn't even go. I didn't even go into like Urukai versus Orc. I Could, left it separate. I was going
0: to correct you. Yeah. I it yeah. took all I had, not to say they weren't orcs, they were orcs. Yeah. <laughs> I would so, also like to add that this is very important because Keenan Laird of the Pop Battle podcast, who we've referenced already, uses our first one as the only way he seems to understand the original Lord of the Rings movie. So he's he's got a lot relying on you guys being able to explain. Which is hilarious
1: because some of the movies that he watches without without questioning what's happening in them is. And then he questions Lord of the Rings is hilarious.
0: Uh, You mean Buckaroo Banzai? I don't even want to talk about that Okay, here we go. It is time for our grading. Grade of the week. A-plus through Crispin Arrows, The Rookie. By far, still the worst movie. Drew, have you ever seen Dennis Quaid in The Rookie?
2: I have definitely. 15 to 18 years ago probably Is that that came and, out? and
0: you blacked it out ago? from your memory didn't you in a wise I, move
2: I, I mean I remember a Disney feel good ending and uh, you know I thought that we kind of in Philly we, we used that as like our, our Chris coast so I, I think the story was a little bit more in my mind but yeah, um, yeah I don't remember it being particularly good <laughs> Yes.
0: Well, it's not. So don't worry. Uh, let's start with Jim. <laughs> Jim, on a scale of A-plus through Chris Monero's rookie, uh, where are you going to put the two towers? And I just want to add that we don't really have a comparison because we used to not do grade of the week. Yeah. So we don't have a uh, Lord of the Ring, Fellowship, uh, Fellowship of the Ring grade. I so. would say
1: that th- I like this one better than Fellowship. Um, and I haven't rewatched Return of the King in a while, so I, I can't grade it against that yet. Um, I'm going to give this for me is a is a, a B plus And that that's I'm pretty that's harsh a high
0: grade for you I would say that's yeah, yeah. That's on it, the maybe upper it maybe I,
1: I was thinking maybe an A- minus, um but I do love this movie a lot even though mm-hmm. I know that there are some cringeworthy moments especially in the extended edition
0: well, you, I, you are such a tough grader. If you say potentially a minus, I'm going to put you down for an A minus because okay. I think that so rarely happens. Drew, how about you? Where would you put this on the scale? So I'm going to say no brainer A, only with the
2: caveat that I think on principle I wouldn't give anything an A plus. <laughs> so if that scale makes if that scale makes any sense to you, that's a that's a, it's a hard A. Can you no, think? Well, yes,
1: just I just just to give us some like reference points, would you, what movie would you think? Any movie would you grade better than this, and one that you would grade slightly lower than it?
2: Um, I don't know that I would. So I, I do view the three as one. Yeah, I don't.
1: It's uh, tough it's, to it's not.
2: hard to separate. Um. So I, I grade the entire experience as an A, and I don't think that there's anything that could be beaten. They could beat it. For me, just underneath would be the the Gladiator and the Braveheart. Okay. Um, just because say, that type of movie. And I, I mean, I would, they would be A two, but
0: that would be like a 93 a, and this would be a 99 a. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Close. close. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go B plus, you know, I was, I was close to maybe a minus. I watched the regular edition. Uh, I was all gung ho about watching the extended edition until I looked it up on HBO max and realized it was four hours long. And I just said, I, I, did this week I did not have Brian. Yeah, I did. I think it was are you sure it wasn't 4? I thought I kept it crept to gonna... 4. Um the 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 regular edition itself is 3 hours. Uh I thought uh and we could talk about this as we go through. I thought the final third of this movie was exceptional. Yeah. Was exceptional. I found the first third of it to be Okay, you know, parts I thought were kind of slow, which was why probably would give it more of a uneven experience. But I want to kind of talk to what Drew's talking about as we move on as well, because I do think part of the issue is um, it has been a long time since we watched Fellowship of the Ring. And I think more than most film trilogies, you really there's a through line to these to take to take the amount of time off. I probably took off from Fellowship of the Ring's impacted that first third for me. It took me a little bit longer to get back into it maybe than it would have if I had just watched fellowship of the ring.
1: Yeah, I think right out of the gate we should just say that I you know in thinking about trilogies and movie series especially when we think about the Star Wars that sort of set up in three trilogies that the fact that they were I, you know we we talked about this in the first episode that they were this was a real risk. And, and and even watching this again, now I'm realizing how much of a... even more of a risk this was, is because they did not approach this as a trilogy of three movies that were... that are connected. They approached this as one movie broken into three parts, which is insane when you think about it, uh, because no one else, no one else has had, quote-unquote, the balls to do that at all. And then, you know, hubris... what it is and they tried it with the hobbit and it was an absolute failure but this there was enough content for three three hour movies here um and so they didn't they weren't really concerned with wrapping up i think they picked natural breaking points but they they're not concerned with wrapping up two arcs at all in each of these films um and so i do think that's important when we talk about how it compares to other trilogies and things like that there's nothing else like it. Like even when you talk about something like the Matrix, that first movie is amazing, and it wraps up pretty much everything you need to know in that movie. And then they were like, "Oh, we should do two more." Yeah. Yeah,
0: and it and it shows right. in the we're second connecting. two. Or, yeah. Right. I it's interesting because I think maybe that's partially why I maybe B plus in terms and as opposed to A minus because at points doesn't feel like a film in terms of doing what Jim just said, you know, it doesn't feel like I could go into that movie and watch it as a self-contained story. Um, And that's where I think something, if I think, and I think if I think of modern, like, Let's say like, let's use the MCU, for example, because that's kind of transitioned into what the Lord of the Rings was in terms of the big blockbuster that was being released every couple of years. Right. I mean, the Lord of the Rings, I think in some ways allowed the MCU to build, you know, because they could say, hey, we're going to build this big universe and we're going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars and things like that. If you get to the end of the MCU with Infinity War and uh, Endgame, those are. Technically, maybe you could watch them as like sequels to one another, their branches, but they're also self-contained stories. You can watch Infinity War to the end, and that's a whole experience. And Endgame is, Mm. I I think it is, it ends in a way like there's a cliffhanger, but you could do it. You theoretically could pick up with Endgame. Mm without watching all of Infinity War and catch up, I think, some way and maybe still watch it as a movie and get some joy out of it. I think Lord yeah, of the Rings, because of the pacing and character development and everything, if you're missing one piece, if you pull one piece out of that, it all it it just won't work. Like, I don't think you could watch this movie without watching Fellowship of the Rings.
2: Ring. Return of the King. So for yeah. your
0: reference,
2: I saw this one time
0: with a good friend who...
2: Isn't a reader, right? So he didn't know what he was getting into. Liked fellowship, liked it a lot, and um, was there in two towers. And at the end, he was just yelling at me the whole time. Who's who's she? Who's she? Who's who's Shmuel talking about? Who's gonna get him? Who's gonna get him? Who's gonna get him? him?" And I went to his house like two weeks later, and Return of the King was on his coffee table. He was reading a book. He does not read. He was because he was. It was such a cliffhanger, and he had. He didn't want to wait another year. He had to find out literally, no, when he got the books, the books ended completely different spots in the movies, and that kind of that's exactly you know, Ferdo getting stabbed is kind of how Two Towers ends in yeah. the books. But just to show you, like a non reader was like, Whoa, that was not it. I need to find out what the heck they're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I have I have massive problems with like the storytelling of. Infinity War and Endgame just in general and how, like, actually light and not at all interesting it is. It's super cool. Like, everything that happens is cool and amazing, but I don't know. There, there. To me, that's, like, a different thing. The way that they did that well, is, is different. I
0: just mean, I like, my only point of reference with that is, like, it's something that was a connected universe coming together, right. but I feel like the film itself... Has a beginning, middle, and an end yeah. to it. Whereas this is purposely, right, yeah. more ambiguous where characters so, are going and things like that.
1: One, one of the things I wanted to talk about right off the bat is the opening of the movie, which basically jumps back to the middle of Fellowship of the Ring and shows what happens to Gandalf when he falls off the bridge at Kazadim and the Balrog pulls him down and i thought it was really cool and know what it made me think of is how dumb the fight at the end of black panther was that is fought in a very similar way and how this looked a million
0: times better oh the cgi at the end of black panther this with was, that part is is hard which is a shame because it's, it's like the just, only bad part of that movie basically. it's also
1: just not an interesting fight like mm-hmm. the way that they i mean the fact that they're falling is cool but like there was there was nothing like, interesting about that. And this just was totally different. And I am shocked that, like... And this holds up with Gollum as well. Like, what are we, 20 years out from this this debuting? It, it still has some of the best CGI that I've seen. I watched it in 4K at home, and it looks incredible. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I, I just I thought the
2: CG was so crazy. With, with the whole going back thing... Um, I guess I didn't look at it as risky because all three of them did it. In Fellowship, it was Gladiator telling the story of the ring, yep. the backstory. This, it was this. And then in Return of the King, it's Gollum finding it on his birthday, or Schmigo finding the ring on his birthday. So all three of them, like they start off with the Lord of the Rings, but then they give yeah. us a back scene, and then it says the two towers. And then it's,
1: it, it's kind of brilliant.
2: Him, yeah, it is. It kind of because makes it feel like a book, it makes it feel literary. Before? Right, and if you just saw Fellowship and you walked into the theater and you never read it, you didn't have any backstory, anything like that, right off the bat, they're not pulling your chains. Like, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, maybe he's not dead. Like, hold on, this could be awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if, obviously we knew, um, but it was, um, I liked it because it showed, you're like, okay, wait, well, I thought he was gone, but maybe he is or maybe he's not. And then, you know, they just went right on from there. Yeah,
0: yeah. I so actually... didn't show him
2: win then.
0: No. Yeah, I think it was a great opening. And do you know what surprised me a little bit? And cause it had been long since I saw this. I always thought of this movies moving much faster in the first third, like in my memory, than it played out a little bit in this. Like I always remembered Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas chasing and that type of stuff. I don't know what it was. There's just something about the first third of it after the very opening of it. Yeah. Where I felt like the, and it might've been editing choices. I just felt like the beats at times were a little too long. Like some of the Frodo and Sam and, um, Stuff it. It wasn't quite clicking at the beginning, but by the time I got to the end, it worked for me in terms of where they were building it for. But I thought it was, the pacing was maybe more deliberate than I thought it needed to be. And that's by the way, not it, it, watching the extended version. And yeah. I, to be honest with you, I can't remember where what they added in that element. Somebody would have to tell me. But it, the, some of the beats of that I just what? thought were slightly too long.
1: Yeah, I, I think it, it's it, this movie. Is clearly like they they don't do a lot of set pe- like like setting up pieces uh, like setting up the bowling pins in in Fellowship of the Ring, so I think they do spend some time here setting up like what is Gondor, what's Rohan, and and that whole idea of like where are these kingdoms at, and kind of what is their relationship, and what's the relationship between these characters and things like that. I think I think it does play out a little slower, but I do think it pays off down the road when you get to um, like one of the big things that's in the extended edition that's not in in the regular cut. I think is the the um, flashback to Boromir no. and and Theoden his fa- father, not Theoden to uh,
2: Danathor. Danathor, Danathor
1: and Faramir. In us the city that Frodo ends up in at the at the end of this movie, um, that was huge. Yeah, it's a big scene, and so what happens is it basically sets up the relationship of these two brothers, where one was like the golden boy and one was shit upon his entire life. And um, you know Boromir is the golden boy, and he ends up capturing the city, and you know basically making you know trying to move Gondor back into that city. His dad comes, and is clearly hates his brother for whatever reason he's it's a failure in loki <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's kind of very similar to a certain extent except he except faramir is actually uh a good person a good person yeah so he and basically what you find out is that his dad decides to send boromir to rivendell for the council of the ring with the expect like with the purpose of getting that ring back to gondor not mm. just to be part of the fellowship mm. which you know is, is a big throwback to Fellowship of the Ring and how you know the, the kind of things he was struggling with for that and it also sets up what Faramir is struggling with throughout the rest of this movie and the next so I think it was to me that was a big scene that for some reason they cut out and I don't, I don't think it was bad Um, I think it was finished and it was a good yeah and I forget the actor's name who plays Denenther, but he's the guy from, from Fringe oh uh, yeah and he's Walter. great Walter yeah <laughs> he's a great crazy guy
0: yeah well i i actually but you know one of the things i I, i'm not a huge fan of the extended edition of things um sometimes i think there's not a whole lot added to it this is a property where i think it's a completely different discussion though i think that you know I think sometimes when you add deleted scenes to movies, there tends to be a reason that they're deleted. Like, you know, sometimes you get them on like the Blu-ray editions or the 4k editions. You're like, all right, here are all the deleted scenes. And you're like, Oh, I can't wait to see like what was deleted. Then you watch it and you're like, yeah, thank fucking God this was deleted because this is like, this is not good or bad. But I think there is something intriguing that you can watch these stories in different ways which I think, you know, you can add more depth to it. As somebody who only read the, um, the first book, you know, I just read Fellowship of the Ring and I didn't go on just because it didn't connect with me stylistically. It's just not my type of writing. Not mm-hmm. that I think there's anything wrong with it or anything. Um, but I, really I, it. it was just more than, for me than I wanted, yeah. you know, in terms of that style. But I lo- I lo- I've watched all the extended editions and I've enjoyed them as well. And I think as you, if for you two, as people who love the books, is there a preference between the two? If you had your choice, if there was only one way you could watch it, would you prefer the non-extended edition or do you think? I'm extended extended all the way. They're all, so for me, every scene, every scene, all three movies that was extended, they all had a
2: purpose. None of them were silly cutting floor. They all gave about even the stupid thing, like, Frodo and Sam in the beginning going down. Like it explained Sam's rope that later tied up Gollum in the non-extended edition and explained the powers of the rope and why Gollum was called in such a rocket and things like the Little things, but they all they all, like, I mean that scene that Jim mentioned, it made you like Boromir more it, you like more. it made you like Faramir more. It made you dislike Denethor right off, like when you meet him in Return of the King, you understood where those characters were coming from way more <laughs> just because of that scene. Like, it, it, it. I mean, I think it's night and day. Because I mean, I don't think they did Farmer Justice throughout the whole thing. I think he did a lot more um, in the movies. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I can take, I mean, I mean, which is odd because, you know, I also did not like them taking a 200-page children's book and do three movies in The Hobbit. And you would think that I wouldn't. Have. I mean, it was okay,
0: but not like this where was here here's a question for you two i have i watched the first hobbit movie and this is maybe a sub discussion here and i i thought it was really bad to to the point where i didn't even bother watching the other ones what what do you think made lord of the rings successful And where were the where was the misstep with The Hobbit? Is is, is that this is just such a is it just that this is such a unique property that like Jim was saying, they took a gamble on it. And there's like very few properties you could ever take a gamble on, like something like Lord of the Rings. And that's why they were able to do this. And is it just that or was it something they did in terms of how they were adapting it or something along those lines that just made The Hobbit not great? it's the
1: writing it's it's to me it's like the parts that they filled in and added to the hobbit just you know were were never fully realized like text like they were ideas that tolkien had that he put in other things but they were never like written in a in a literary sense they were like more written like history like then this person did this then this person did this then this person did this and they added a bunch of that into the hobbit in they didn't have anybody uh, at, at least to the level of tolkien writing to like thread that story together in in a way that made as much sense at least for me i don't know about you drew
2: <laughs> yeah i mean for me the, i mean the hobbit was literally a 200 page book with that was written for children it didn't even have the, the chapter in there with uh where Frodo finds the, or excuse me, when Bilbo finds the ring in in the first edition, that wasn't even there. He went back when he wanted to tie it to this Lord of the Rings trilogy and make it all about the ring. Um, He added that to The Hobbit just to make The Hobbit more relevant. So, I mean, we're going off a thousand pages versus 200, 200 of which were written
0: for children. Yeah. So, I mean, so. the The second most sold book in the history of the world. Good, good, old Hollywood greed is the answer. Then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <Carolla. laughs> what, what should Correct. have been, which should have been, which should have been one, what should have been, been one movie, been one movie sure. turned into three movies, and none of them were as good as maybe just one movie uh, could have been in this. Um, so, Jim, you have in the notes here, and this stuck out to me too. I was shocked at kind of the goofy humor, yeah, in this one, and that was not something that I remembered. <laughs> It's kind of like when you go back and watch comedies from like 20 or 30 years ago that you thought were funny, or maybe you probably laughed at. And then you look at it like 20 years later and you're like, not sure that hits necessarily the way it did the first time. And there were a few moments of that in this one, I thought.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of it, but especially between uh, Gimli and Legolas with, and some of that I think works for me really well and others is kind of weird I love them counting fight, fighting on who killed as more orcs I think that's that's great. Um I've always hated the idea of like Aragorn throwing Gimli and being like yeah. you know he's embarrassed that you're going to toss a dwarf that like to me that wasn't as funny.
0: Or the chainmail gag. Where the chainmail
1: like, gag. Well, the the chainmail gag. The visual is gag that something is something from less, the book. Is that I don't like think something so. Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't remember that in the book. Because that
0: that that to me was a little no. like I was like, do we really? Need I that? I didn't I didn't think the visual
1: gag like I. But It's funny because I like the line. I like that he says, because I think that's his <laughs> yeah. character is that he's so like he's so delusional in Proud. certain ways. Yeah, like oh, yeah. that he's like it's a little tight in the chest. Like that's the part he wants to adjust. I, I like it. I like the, the one where the Gimli
0: axe. Yeah, go ahead. The yeah. axe. Yeah.
1: I love. I loved every single
2: back and forth with Gimli and Legolas. I love how it progressed from, in the fellowship, they hated each other just because one was a dwarf and one was an elf, and there was that natural hate between the two of them, even though they didn't know each other, and then you kind of see that they are with each other and have a common purpose and a common theme, and they, um, I, I love the banner. It kind of takes the place of Marion Pippen that was more um, prevalent in the first one. Um I thought it was hysterical that the the counting of the, is even better in the extended edition. They go yeah. on for way longer about that contest back and forth, and some of the some of the lines that are, that they just come up with, you know, Tolkien insults, like I'm not going to lose to a pointier, Like mm-hmm. he called him a pointeer. Like just stuff like, I I thought it was great. Like just made up insults, um, but friendly, like there it's, yeah. you know, might as well be a lethal weapon. It almost turned into like a buddy movie. Right. I liked it. I liked all that, but, but I, I agree. I hated super game. Like I hated super game. Like, Yeah, super. it was so
1: yeah cuz then they show it happening and it's like 40 feet. It's insane how far yeah. he throws him. And from my yeah. my understanding, I always thought
0: Gimli is small but he probably weighs more than Aragorn. Like he's uh, Oh, he has to, yeah. right? That's where I'm always intrigued about Aragorn uh, Aragorn, sorry. Yeah. Uh in terms of like not reading the novels, yeah. I like at times I feel like I don't have a full und- I don't think don't. they did a gr- they don't do a great job of allowing me as a viewer to understand. I don't understand is he supposed to be have superhuman strength? Is he just a regular pr- like no? He's that's not just I a get, regular man. And- Extended edition. I know so maybe that plays it's out, but that's <laughs> but that's what kind of bothers me a little bit from the regular film perspective because I yeah. love the performance. I think Vigo Mortensen's performance is fabulous. But I I'm and and it's not just him. I'm almost at a loss at times watching these. I feel like it gets played out better in Return of the King. I start to get a much better idea of what's really going on here. But I understand we have dwarfs and elves and all these type of things. But then I feel like is is he's Mortensen character? Just is he supposed to be? You know, what is he? You know, is who's my every man in this? Oh, no, Does no, no. That's, that, yeah. those, so, that's, the, that's the Hobbits, right? Those yeah. are the Hobbits. But I'm, I'm not quite sure, like, be, uh, what Viggo Mortensen's, like, he's like the how classic. I'm supposed to see here so in terms of that. I
1: was listening to the uh, Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd podcast, which is amazing, Ooh. called The Friendship Onion. Uh, and they had Stephen Colbert on, who is, like, basically a Lord of the Rings Tolkien scholar. Like the stuff that he knows is insane, uh, and he was just talking about the idea that like Aragorn is basically like the the Hercules of Lord of the Rings. Like he is the he's like the demigod. Like he's perfect. He's the perfect man. He's he does everything right. He's you know he's he's what you can aspire to, but never get there as a human. But like. The hobbits are what we're capable of, right? I think so that's that's the so, hobbits
0: are our window into that world, oh, right? Yeah, They're I the think the one that's who's supposed to be. Showing I think us. the
1: hobbits are hobbits represent you know us as as normal people, yeah. Aragorn, like for just for those listening, he is not a normal human, uh, like like any other human in in Middle earth. His he's like descended from a line of of humans who. Crossbreed it with elves at some point, way back when. So he has an unnatural long life. He's eighty-five in the Two Towers.
0: He looks great,
1: yeah. by the way. So he's he,
0: looking. Good. He looks really good. So there's a, there's like a moment where in
1: and I think I I don't know if that's in the ex, in the normal or the extended uh, or just the extended. But there's a point where Aowen um, asks him like my she's like my uncle said you rode to. You rode to war with him, or he remembers you riding to war, and he, Aragorn says, "Yeah, he was. He was only a child then." And she's like, "What? You must have been. You must be sixty, 70. He's yeah, like, 85. "That was
0: extended. Yeah. That was extended because that did not happen."
1: Um, and so he does have long life, and and there. I, I mean, to be honest, I haven't read the books in a long time. I I need to reread them, but I didn't. I don't remember getting a ton of information like Brian's asking for Drew around like sort of what that actually meant other than I didn't him know. I just, like, I just, like like, there's no super strength or anything
0: like that. No, that's what I meant. I, I feel like the one complaint and I remembered actually listening back when we were talking about it, the, the first one as well, my one complaint about Peter Jackson with some of the action sequences is I don't feel like he ever does an amazing job of establishing the geography of where some of these set pieces happen. I think he does an okay, certainly adequate. Like they're amazing and they're fun and they're stuff like that. But if you look at some of the films we've looked at and talked about, like Die Hard is the one that always comes to my mind, like Every beat in the action sequence in Die Hard was set up. You knew that tower and where it was coming from. In Helm's Deep, there's all sorts of new things being thrown there. And there's a lot of cutting and stuff like that. And it's still amazing. But I I feel disconnected. And actually, we were were like re-listening to our first episode. We talked about it a few times. There were cuts for that. And part of that might have been it. It's, it was probably done better in the extended edition where they laid more of that stuff out. But there were points where I'm like, I know action is going on here, but I don't really, I don't know. I felt like disjointed at points with some of the stuff he had, which is a small critique because I do think the Helms deep stuff for when it was shot was amazing. And by the way, I feel like you can see the, influence on TV and film of in, in the last... Of I Thrones. mean, Game of Thrones is because almost a carbon... Up. You can yeah, yeah, see anything. Yeah, almost a they carbon sure copy of it. 20 years earlier, yeah. they made it too dark. Well, yeah, you know, the budget was a little lower. They were hoping you wouldn't see some of the things <laughs> yeah. that they couldn't afford. I don't know that
1: the budget was that much lower.
0: Well, actually, <laughs> yeah. per, you might be right, Jim, with inflation. You're probably yeah. actually correct.
1: The, the, yeah, the, You know what? It's funny because... Th- the the thing that I struggle with is d- when people ask me which of these movies do I like more, I struggle with liking Return of the King more than this because I think Return of the King is just more. There's like... And it's almost too much for me. Where I feel like this movie, The Battle at Helm's Deep, is like such an incredible experience from beginning to end watching that that when you get to the battle outside of Gondor... It doesn't feel. It feels bigger and it feels impactful, but it. I don't know. It doesn't resonate with me like Helm's Deep does. I don't know why. I love that. Helm's fight. Deep
2: is awesome. Yeah, and Two Towers is awesome, and Helm's Deep is like one of the greatest battles ever. And I agree with what you're saying about Gondor, until Rohan shows up, yeah. and then they do it again. I forgot doing, about that. You know, and then we're clinking the swords. Yeah, I, I mean that is Helm's Deep times 10. But besides that, I agree.
1: And the ghost ships. That's pretty cool. But yeah. yeah, That's
0: where I'm out. I'm out on that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It doesn't... I've always... In in my mind...
0: Going down. In my mind, this was always the one that stood out to me. Like, as the one... Like, if you had just asked me... Well, because it was the, Yeah. I just always was like, in my mind, going back and thinking about, okay, we're going to do... We'll do the Lord of the Rings series at some point on the show. I remember... Going to the theater and the, the feeling I had leaving Two Towers was more than I had for either of the other two. And I loved both of the other two as theater going. Yeah. But that was the one that resonated with me and carried over and stuff like that. But I do have to admit, like after this watching of it, you know, I like Fellowship of the Rims started to come closer to two towers than I thought in my mind. Mm-hmm. and I, I'm not sure what it is with that. Oh, it I could be that, that
1: more things exist that are like this now.
0: Maybe. Maybe this has become, and that's a great discussion to have. Has this been ripped off so much now? that it's difficult to I get mean, back into that mindset. And this is interesting. On your so right. I, well, no, no, but I'm I mean, saying, but no, but I'm saying like the, what this leads into really interesting discussion about film, right? Like if I talk to my students who weren't even born when this movie came out and they grew up watching Game of Thrones, right? Mm-hmm. If they watch Game of Thrones first, if that they watch that first which is so clearly influenced by not only like the shots but but if they see that first and then they watch this does that change their perception as opposed to the three of us who experience this not only you guys from reading it but all of us seeing it in the theater first and then realizing when we're watching game of thrones like Man, like some of these, like and the showers like shot for shot stolen from this movie. Yeah, like like they're how also going to wonder
2: where the where the sex is if they watch that first. Yeah. Yes. True. Well, that's fair.
0: That's, that's fair. that's fair. They're going to. They're it, not. They're it, not going to be as excited yeah. about that. True. That's a, yeah. that's a very valid point. But they're it, gonna, where's Khaleesi <laughs> They're, they're going to be the early <laughs> Khaleesi <laughs> episodes.
1: I think the the it is funny because I do think that that idea of like you know leg you know Helms Deep. The idea, there's so much leading up to that point in this movie where, I mean, and, and this is where the literary aspect of what Peter Jackson did, I think, is really on full display because there are so many characters at Helm's Deep and coming to Helm's Deep that have so much baggage leading to that moment. So you have Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas who are basically along for the ride with Rohan, and have decided that we need to throw in with them because if they lose, we're we're gonna lose eventually. Um, we need and we're gonna help. And basically, Legolas and Gimli are like, "Hey, if you're gonna do it, Aragorn, we're we're in. We'll die with you if we need to." So there's that. And then there's Theoden who's trying to save his people. Instead of fighting an open battle out in out in the fields, he decides to pull back into this fortress. Did he do the right thing? All that. Then you have. His nephew Carl Urban, Billy Butcher,
0: young Carl Urban,
1: young young very young Carl Urban, blonde Carl Urban, um, who has been exiled from his homeland, and because his you know his king was under the influence of of another sorcerer or whatever, and there's just and again and again there's just all these characters lining up, um, and. The elves come back. Yeah, the elves show up. Uh, yeah, the elves show up, and and we had you know, to make up a reason for the one from the fellowship that's made up. Right, one of the things off, so he came back with his people. Yeah, the one 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 of the things you know, some the of end. the themes like the the sacrifice that the elves are making <clears throat> in the extended edition, you, you get a little bit more information about the elves are basically immortal. If they decide to go and leave Middle Earth, then there's a place where they can go and live forever. Um. They can be killed in, in battle, like they can die,
0: of course, but, but they can live, but or they, they can choose heartbreak. to live, yeah,
1: of, or of heartbreak, yeah. And yeah. and so, th- I think that plays a little bit into there's a little bit of a heaviness to that when you see um Hadrier getting killed. It's like, oh, he could have been just on a boat, like hanging out, <laughs> um, Great yeah, in, in Grey Havens, it's just a lot. There's a lot that is converged in that moment, and then they decide to say "eff it, we're gonna ride out." And that ride out moment to me might be oh. one of my favorite moments in any movie ever.
2: It's up there with the sword of click.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And Brian, you keep you you had mentioned um, Endgame. A yes. Month. There's something that I really thought about um, before coming on here that I never noticed before. There's only two, and I'm not like like you. I'm not, I'm a marketing major. I you know I just like movies. Like I'll like I'll enjoy a Michael Bay film. Like it doesn't have to well, be well. let so me let me true.
0: Let me explain something um, right here. Uh, Comm majors don't watch any movie better than marketing majors. The difference is you can actually get a job <laughs> when you graduated from college, <laughs> as opposed to the rest of us who go into undesignated uh, fields. Many not actually in the. <laughs> Communications uh, era So you are just as much an expert as anybody An expert who probably made a lot More money right off the bat Than the actual (laughs) comm major So one might argue you are smarter Than a comm major (laughs) Easy Brian So with Endgame This movie and
2: Endgame Are the only two times In my life where I completely 100% Forgot about a storyline that I knew Oh, I okay. knew I knew, the snap worked. Mm-hmm. I knew that he got the phone call from his wife. Yes. I knew it worked, but because of the bombs and because of the Thor, Cap, Iron Man fight with Thanos, mm-hmm. it was so good. I completely forgot that those people could possibly come back. I felt literally Captain America was chasing off against everybody, and I didn't know what was going to happen, but I forgot. <laughs> I completely forgot that Gandalf... Left, on the deep, told them to say, and on look for my coming at first light on the third day, look to the east, or whatever exactly it is on your right. I completely, yes, and I, right on, now. That, that, that's that's the return, the return of uh, or the Skywalker, and they're the ones who
0: stole that. Well, yeah, I think that's a um, great comparison. It re- I mean, it read, is. And then when he
2: showed up, so I read it, I mean, I read it, I and when I was in that movie theater the first time, I completely, literally, when Gimli blows that horn. And they're playing my favorite theme in all of Howard Shore's themes. Uh, I call it the nature theme. I don't know if it really has a theme. It's the... the, 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 the. Mm-hmm. And they're riding out, riding out to meet them, and they're going on things. Mm-hmm. I, want, I, I was like, wow, this is... I even though I knew what was happening in the back of my head, I was so caught up in it that I allowed myself to forget. Mm-hmm. And when Gandalf and, and, uh, and um, Aramir show up at the top, Like literally, I'm jumping up in the movie theater, and then to the king, like chills. I have chills right now. Just explain it. Yeah, it was
1: unbelievable. And that shot, the framing of that shot is interesting because one of one of the things I struggle with with Peter Jackson with this movie is that there are some moments that seem smaller than they need to be. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of that is also like I get you get good and bad with that, which is. In some moments, the smallness feels incredibly perfect
0: mm. for what he's the doing. Go- the Golem's smallness, yes. and, like and in like, Frodo's and, smallness, right? Is and when fabulous. you're in the Shire and, yes.
1: and people are having conversation, it feels intimate and feels whatever. But and then there are shots like that I struggle with when. And I talked about this in the first one. It's still of the first two movies. My least favorite part is the part where. Um, Arwen rescues Frodo and, and oh, with, the ho- horse. with the horse up yeah. until the moment she gets to the river, it takes like two minutes and it's like, it's so well, close. A- and they're like, Jim, just that's cutting also back the forward. geography piece yeah, I was yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. before.
0: Yeah. It makes no sense but, how we filmed that.
1: But in this moment where he uses both a wide shot and a tight shot. So the wide shot, you see Gandalf up at the top and, um, and then you see and and he says something like uh you know theoden king King stands alone stands alone and then it cuts it's a tight shot and you see uh is it aomer is that who that is yeah. Yeah. He rides up right next to him oh, and that's
0: says everybody, that's when you drink because nobody knows yeah. the name of the character exactly It's used. it's Carl <laughs> or Carl Urban. Drink now. We'll call him uh Carl Urban. Maybe you know him from, of and says, from Judge and the Dredd of Rohirrim, probably. The probably from, no, probably the from the boys. Judge uh, Judge Dredd remake. The boys. I'm sure that's that's J- Jim. Most people know him from the Judge uh dread remake, I'm yeah. sure. Don't
1: and he goes <laughs> not alone, and then he says to the, you know, Rohiram to the king. And that scene is unbelievable. Those horses coming down the mountain is crazy. But I don't think until
2: Drew... The but Drew, yeah.
0: I don't think until you the talked about it, I don't think until you brought it up, like, to me, so much of that endgame sequence for the Russo brothers had to be influenced subconsciously, if not consciously, like the way they shot it. There's so many parallels to that, and I also think those both are examples of what makes movies like uniquely awesome things, like Gandalf coming that, like that sequence k- when the Captain America catches the hammer and the, all that, and the snap, cool. all that stuff. Again, you could watch that, and I saw like Endgame three oh, times in the that theater. That. So I saw that. Two Towers, Pretty I think, exactly. three times in the theater. It does not matter how many times you see it. The, it is like an example of the brilliance of filmmaking that the cuts all of those things that they're able to pull it off and you're so distracted by it. It, defy, it defies logic. When you think about it, it should defy logic. Yeah. I know what's going to happen. I'm not going to be absorbed in this. I know Gandalf's going to show, but it doesn't matter because yeah. when he does it, you're yeah. still like, hell yeah, this is going to happen right now. It,
1: it also demonstrates the idea of like Gandalf becoming like you know, we haven't talked about this, but he—he's now Gandalf the White. the White. He is the most powerful wizard on Middle Which, Earth.
0: Which, To be fair, is the non Lord of the Rings. I—I I got it. Yeah, but I'm not sure I quite got it enough and i know yeah. that plays out For more in it up yeah i know it plays out a and more and, more like, in the future like in, in but, karate yeah it's like reverse of wiz- yeah died. speaking of wizards by the way just quickly and then jim you could go when suriman's scared because the tree people are destroyed like Hilarious. that it just made me laugh i was just like christopher lee like brilliant performance. He looks t- like that scene made me laugh out loud as he's terrified that the giant, I'm sure there's the, Ents. I can't remember the, the, the end. Tree
2: that was on fire though. The dust in, in the water. Oh, yeah. I, Every time when he ducks in the water, <laughs> I lose it. He loses. Yeah. Every
1: time. <laughs> I love that part. And and I'm going to tell you the part from my childhood that scarred me that might. So like, if you're watching this as a kid and you see that ant gets it on fire, you're like, Oh man, that's, that's no good. That ends dead. And then you see him he save himself. Great. He's a tree. He's dead. He's got he's on fire. He's, he's literally on fire. On fire. But he, but he's see, a tree man. You see him save himself by by putting oh. himself out. Go back to Return of the Jedi when the Ewoks are fighting and you oh, see those two yes. Ewoks get shot with the lasers mm. and the one Ewok Great point. picks the other guy up, them up? Yeah. and Very he's dead. Sad
0: very sad now i'm upset
1: yeah i was feeling good about the king i know that's what it made me think of and then then he ran back and doused himself and i'm like yes
0: <laughs> Hey, here's a question for you too because i'm watching this really like enjoying the whole experience and everything and i'm like to myself thinking all right when am i going to show my kids this like when am i going to get into this but but I started to think to myself, do I want to show this as a movie experience or do I want to go like extended edition of all of them and maybe do it in one hour clips like over, you know, what I mean, and just show them that. How, what, what, how would you feel like if you're introing this to people who have maybe no, no connection to the Lord of the Rings world at all? They're a little bit younger and you want them because they're amazing. You want to show it to them. How do you bring them into this world? Like, what what path would you take? Or if maybe you're somebody who's the listening thing, to us and you want to do it, how do you go about it? The first thing that you need to do is you need to lower your expectations with people, yeah.
2: Because twenty five to forty percent of the people that you are so excited to show this to are tuning out within five seconds. They're like, "Whoa, wait, what?" Like, I had friends. I'm like, "Greatest thing, greatest movie ever." You know, we've been drinking all day. We're going to watch it late night, whatever. We're twenty five, and they couldn't get past the birthday party. In in hot, like they're like, what? You think there's a percentage of people that just they're out, and that's fine. I, you, so you're not going to fight with them. You're going to let them go, and you're going to, you're not going to convince them. So we're going to let them go, and then I think it's just kind of what they can take. Because if you're in, you're in. It's the greatest story as well. I understand the talking trees, and I understand. Like I feel like. Aaron and I, so my wife Aaron, Jim's cousin, um, we she's not into any of this kind of stuff at all. In any way, shape, or form. And I will be watching something and she'll be doing whatever she's doing in another room. And I feel like she always walks in at the weirdest time in the world. Yeah. And asks me what's going on. She's like, All right, so like, why is this tree talking? No. And I just look at her and I'm like, I'm nope, I'm not gonna try, no, I'm not I'm not doing it. Um, you're out, that's fine, you can make fun of me. Um, this is the greatest thing in the world, and if you want to make fun of me, that's fine. And we will uh, watch what you want to watch tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you really have to, even though it's like, you know, made the most, made a ton of money, ton of books. There's that's only by the people that really like it. There's a lot of people that just are just like, what?
1: Yeah. Lily watched uh, Fellowship for the first time like a month ago. As straight through or no, did you no, break no. it we, up? We, how did you, I mean, how no. Did you do no, we did the extended edition and there's no way we're watching that straight through. So yeah. we did it like over three sittings, I think. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. And I think that's, you know, is that a good way to view it? Because I almost well, want to go you, back now myself and do it almost like, you know, limited series are the big thing now. Like that's yeah. the trendy thing. Like, yeah. do I just break it up as an hour at a time and just yeah, do extended edition fine. and view it in that way?
1: I mean, she had a lot of questions, so your kids are probably going to have a lot of questions and you're not going to be able to answer them because you're Um, dumb.
0: Can we discuss the question that Katie brought up? With your kids as she was watching it. If you uh, have are not listening to our Shit's <laughs> Creek podcast, perhaps you should. This would be a great time to join in, like, follow, subscribe, and review the Shit Show, our Shit's Creek podcast. Uh, Drew, maybe you could join us sometime on that podcast as well. Um, Katie brought up a story the other day on our, as we were recording this, claiming that um, Jim was bringing up about that's not ooh. true. I know, and it's not true, and I would like you to defend this. Katie was apparently. Talking about who she's more attracted to as characters and how that re- rely- ties into Jim. Could you share that story with us? No, because
1: that's not. It's not even a story. Stop it.
0: <laughs> oh come on! You, you don't want to <laughs> I mean, share that. Yeah, no, Drew's interested. Come on! What, 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 what was going on there? <laughs> what, what was the question? Are you Aragorn and Gimli? Melted, yeah. what, what, oh, what, I'm. What I'm, I'm, I'm definitely Aragorn. You know, you're, so you are you are definitely. I'm more Aragorn. of a Strider than an Aragorn. <laughs> okay. Okay, so you, you're uncomfortable yeah. talking about that. So we'll all
1: about. There's Clearly literally that's it. That's all there
0: is to talk about. It was, it was just funny. Do you carry a sword around the house? I don't anything I, like that. You should, no. You might, that might be a good idea for a birthday probably gift. Have, somewhere, yeah. Maybe for your fiftieth birthday, I'll get you a replica like Aragorn Strider N- sword. Shards of an yeah, we could get you something like that. That would be really <laughs> exciting. Uh, okay, so if you haven't watched this, you have to watch it. If you haven't, like, first of all, there is a beautiful just within the last year release. They did the four K updates yeah. of all of these that you can purchase. Did you buy yours digitally, Jim? Is yeah, that where you, there, how'd, there you how'd you watch yours? Yeah,
1: I I bought the I bought the regular one a while ago on okay. Apple, and you just get the upgrade to four K when it
0: comes okay. out. Okay. So. Uh, it, they're all on HBO Max. Actually, shockingly, I think the extended edition is HDR, highest upgrade. The regular version is not. No. That so you can watch it either way. Um, but I, I think we all would agree. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Though a caveat again, if you've never seen Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, you can't do it. And, and listen, uh, to be no. quite fair. Uh, based upon our general listening audience, there are people just around be ready our, to watch all three around you're around our age. You, you would have seen this. Yeah. And I will say this cause I just went to a movie literally before we were um, recording this. I do think the larger the screen you can watch this on the better, the better the experience is. And I'm one of those people, by the way, I'm, this is the 20th, Maybe it'd be the tw- is it this I think coming up this year is the twentieth anniversary. Or or is it is it which one is it the twentieth of fellowship this I think year? Because the they were all each Christmas, they're each Christmas. Yeah, each yeah. I, one I mean, three. so you're bound to find these re released in theaters. So if you're comfortable going to a movie theater and you've never seen it in a theater, I would highly recommend seeing it on the largest screen that you can find possible. So,
2: Brian, what speaking of the largest screen possible, yeah. I think Jim might have seen this from my my pictures on social media throughout yeah. the throughout the years, but three years in a row the Man Music Center did these movies uh, in the summer. Are you? I know you said you were talking about Valley Forge earlier, so I'm assuming you were here at some point. That, yes, I live down there. Community. I know the okay. man, yeah. So it was the Philadelphia Orchestra with 20,000 people on the huge screen and it's, you know, you're outside, everybody's drinking, so like the atmosphere of the allowing to clap During scenes, like you know, things like unbelievable, and just the Philadelphia Orchestra with like real singers singing the the parts,
0: it it was unbelievable.
2: To me, they did it.
0: Yeah, to me, there's nothing, and this this film's a great example of it. There's nothing better than seeing a movie as a community experience the largest way you get some movies. I don't think it matters. Like I know we've gone to everything streaming yeah. now and all that type of stuff. This is a movie largest screen possible watching it with people like this. This to me is an example of why movies are movies End game. We talked about that like that end scene. like, yeah, to watch that with people. There's certain movies like certain movies. It doesn't matter. You can watch it on your phone. You can watch it on a TV. You can watch it wherever you want. It doesn't matter. This is a one where to me, it's great no matter where you watch it, but the larger the experience, if you're with people like yeah. an orchestra, they like, I love when they do things like that. It's amazing.
1: So, kind of piggyback on that. Drew is a huge fan of movie scores.
0: And I was shocked. Like, I am as well. Yeah. I know I love and know Brian is. And as I got
1: to know Drew, he, he would mention things in movies that I'm just like, I didn't even, I don't even know the song that you're talking about. So, and Brian does the same thing. So, I asked Drew to just give us like a little taste of like what are some of his favorite movie score moments. Oh, I can't
0: wait. Yeah, this is fantastic. All right, go. I can't <laughs> wait. So I do it. and I'm, so Jim and I we do spend a week um in Outer Banks with
2: our with Jim's entire extended family which I am a portion of um and one of the things that we will do late night sometimes is we will break I will have like you know cues and things like that themes and break out with 10 15 people and I I know they've all seen the movie and people like poopoo at first, but everybody ends up having fun for like an hour or two of just movie score themes that people did. And then you tell them like, Oh, I should have known that, you know, things like the things that they've known.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, I mean, my favorites, I mean, I've heard, you know, I usually am chiming into your guys' podcast on Facebook, talking about the score of, of whatever movie you are talking about. Um, I, I view it as a character. Um, so obviously all of the way, like there's no such thing as Superman, Star Wars, Jurassic Park. Any of it without John? Moore. I mean, it's just that's a complete. The, the
0: genius it. of all things, John Williams.
2: Yeah. Right. It's just. I mean, it's not the same. Like there is no. So you could talk to, um, like I said, Aaron does not watch superhero movies, but I could play the Superman theme, and she would know that that is super duper. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like so besides just how a music is written. The thing, one of the things I was most proud of was in um, in a Split. At the end of Split, the very end of Split, before they showed Bruce Willis, they started playing the music from 30th Street Station. I was in the theater. I stood up and was going, holy shit, holy shit, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> it took me like 10 notes. But I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, wait a this is unbreakable. This is unbreakable. This is, and I had no idea. Like, you know, that was one of the thank God, like, that's like the stuff that I love that, you know, the internet doesn't ruin. Yeah. You know, I, I had no idea. And i being able to recognize that before it happened, just because they started playing that, that, that theme from unbreakable. And I really, really enjoy, I'm drawing a black right now in that composer um, who does all of Shaman stuff. Um, and Harry, it's Williams, right? Harry Gershon Williams. Or yeah, I right? think so. Yeah. But I love all of his, and I'm a, I'm a sucker for, for Zimmer or anything. I, well, Anything's Zimmer's and anything
0: amazing and anything foreign, I'm in anything yeah. am in Do Are you a Lauren Balfe guy? I, I've been Lauren Balfe's been yeah. nice enough to chat back and forth with me on Twitter before, but oh. I love if you've ever watched um, Fallout and Drew, if you if you get the Blu-ray of Fallout, um, Chris McQuarrie made an isolated track on Fallout, where you can just have Lauren Balf score with no dialogue. <laughs> and he talks about the process of like how we score that. You should watch that. I, I've watched it. I think you would All find right. it fascinating. Cause Chris is really funny into he, he's really Sorry. into silent films with no dialogue. So he loves like Lauren Balf scoring it um with no dialogue. And there's a whole thing about it that's fascinating with that.
2: All I right. stopped watching season one of the Mandalorian after four episodes when Grogu used the force and they did not use, it. like, I was like, no, I'm not, I can't do it. <laughs> I could not mentally get over it. that They had the audacity to have something move without using the force team. Now, eventually I got over it. Okay, good. Two came out.
0: okay but good, I, good. And I love, I
2: mean, I love, I, I got over, it. I needed to get over it. I was wrong. I was being stubborn, but my initial reaction was, this is, this is bullshit. You can't do this. And then I see I've seen all this stuff now and you know I love the themes of the Mandalorian and I love like I like the G you know, stuff used Williams and yes. did his own thing and I liked all that and you know all the other Star Wars stuff used it. I'm like, how dare you do Star Wars without
0: Well, you could and then, <laughs> well I always use I one of my
2: I was personally insulted.
0: One of my favorite examples is because one of my favorite movies is the original Mission Impossible, and they had a whole score. That wasn't Danny Elfman before, and you can find it online and play it with the movie. And that alone shows you how different a bad score versus a good yeah. score could change yeah. the like sequence of it. And it, it, it's actually the score itself is not a bad score. It just doesn't work with what De Palma was doing. And Elfman's is so brilliant. It's just like one of those examples where you can see like how much and John Williams, I always think, I think that the marriage of Spielberg and John Williams is if you just want to look at where scores can change films, like they're so in line with each other in terms of how they deliver. It's like insane with what they do. But Lord of the Rings is a great example of that as well, I think.
1: Well,
2: the marriage Howard Shore is he got fired from King Kong. When Peter Jackson tried to do it, he fired him. So, like Lord of the Rings, and Peter Jackson and Howard Shore was so brilliant, but they went to try to do King Kong, and he yeah, fired it's a it's a completely different Lord world.
0: Um, okay, it is time for King of the Hill, oh, or Bottom of the Barrel. Uh, we can all that. There's I'm not even going to talk about Bottom of the Barrel because we know <laughs> this is not going to be a question. All right, here's the real question and this maybe comes down to Jim and I, because Drew hasn't seen the rookie in almost two decades <laughs> is two towers better than Judas and the black Messiah. And I almost wonder if we're allowed to do mm-hmm. this because Katie's not here. Yeah, I do too. Technically, because here's the <sighs> thing though. If two of us say yes, yes, then it is it wouldn't matter if katie was there or not if it's one and one then then we might have to table this discussion for another day do you think let's go to you jim is this better than judas and the black messiah because you're the one that's ultimately going to decide this
1: i don't know oh this is so tough i didn't even think about this prior to coming on
0: and All right, so, you know, what? we're going to have to table it then. We'll just table this because we don't have a, a friend. I want to rewatch and Judas in the Black Messiah. OK, and Katie's not here. you can watch Judas in the Black Messiah, yeah. by the way, on HBO Max. I guys, need to rewatch watch, it. um, This Perfect. film. I have homework because I've never seen it. All right. Well, go on HBO Max and watch it. Yeah. All right. It's time for five questions. Right. Here we go. You want answers? You want answers? I want the truth. What
2: makes a man, Mr. Lebowski?
0: What the fuck is the internet? Why? All right, it's time for five questions this week, and Drew is answering. I wish we could almost embed into this the uh, Hobbit Lord of the Rings cartoon song, Frodo with the Five Fingers. Maybe we could, or oh, no. with it. That's you know, whatever not whatever the it sir- that's, that's, I love that. Song. That's can we, can not we, uh,
1: the, can the cut, cartoon one.
0: Could we cu- cut that into this yeah. and uh, use it? Uh, okay. This is a really topical question because I I told everybody I was just at a showing of Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings prior to recording this. And this actually was brought up by somebody who was sitting next to me in an unrelated way, the length of films. Here's a question for you, Drew. Thumbs up or thumbs down films that last three hours or more? Thumbs sideways. (laughs) Fair. I'm going to bring it back to...
2: The immortal words of LL Cool J in Deep Blue Sea. Put your hand on a beautiful woman for five seconds. Excuse me, for an hour, it'll feel like five seconds. Put your hand on a hot pan for five seconds, it'll feel like an hour. Relativity. It's all relative. So besides the big Coke and having to use the restroom, I could have sat in that theater and done whatever he was showing all day long. Yeah. But something that maybe I'm not interested in or didn't need to be there, I would say no. So I'm saying it's all relative, even though I
0: butchered the Deep Blue Sea line. Why have oh, we not I'm, done Deep Blue Sea? I
1: don't so know. That's a I'll good question.
0: I, I actually enjoy <laughs> Deep Blue Sea. I'm going to throw that out I've there. I've only I, seen it once, I think. I, I, I enjoy it. I actually think it's... Uh, you gonna lie. Oh, I, I do. I love the movie. I think the movie is fabulous actually i've watch. watched that's a movie i could watch every week probably and i would be okay with it uh all right it's would you rather question here we go would you rather be a dwarf dwarf or an elf
2: i'm actually a little bit insulted by the question it's an elf no brainer
1: you've also spelled elf wrong
0: <laughs> oh, i was thinking of will well, farrell's elf I was thinking of Elf, the movie with Wolf. Um, is that, is that an easy question? I don't know. I was just trying to, we usually try to compare. I was throwing, I was trying to throw, I didn't know if I wanted to put a Hobbit in there. Is, is a Hobbit what everybody who's a Tolkien fan wants to be? I don't know. Like what is, what a is a Tolkien fan? when and literally can't
2: miss with a bow and arrow versus
0: short and stubby with an ax and you live underground. Well, let me rephrase this question. As a lore as a Tolkien fan, if you could be anybody in that universe, who do you want to be? Who who's the person oh, that Legos, okay. Jim, how about you? Who who's Well, we already know your role play is Strider, so we're okay with that. We're not going <laughs> to We don't have to.
2: Okay, here yeah, we go. Fill
0: information. Fill fill in the blank question here. Here we go. Um Drew, this is a question for you. One book. All right, one book you've read in your life that maybe has never been turned into a movie that you think absolutely needs to become a movie. Have you ever read a book that has not been turned into a movie and you say that has to be a movie? What would it be?
2: I had to think a lot about this because I think that my, uh, my book reading um, experience usually turns out being movies. If that tells you anything about what book you Yeah, that's completely Uh, fair. Along the, along the lines of that, one that didn't happen that I always really, really enjoyed was um, Prey. Michael Crichton. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It. And I feel like the technology's there now to be able to give us a good visual on those, you know, microbots like or whatever they were in yeah. your body and stuff like that. I thought, you know, I know Crichton movies are usually 50 50 hit or miss, um, but uh, that was one that I could think of
0: off the top of my head, not after thinking that uh, I would like to see. That's a great one. I always felt bad about Michael Crichton because I think you're right. They're 50. I think his books should be much better movies than a lot of them turn out to be. A lot of them right. turn out to be really bad movies. Um, be, like, please. Yeah.
1: Stephen King's like, hold my beer.
0: Wow. Well, to be fair, <laughs> that Jim, that's a whole other discussion that you're absolutely correct about. All right. Favorite question. What is, she, this is a sequel. So this is sequel September. What is your favorite sequel? Can we remove this one? Maybe if it taking away two towers, do you have a favorite sequel?
2: Well, I think we do have to re re um, remove it because I'm also going to go Randy and scream Two on you and say that this is not a sequel. This is part of a trilogy. And that's Perfect. Not count. Okay. Okay, so my good. favorite, my favorite sequel. I'm going to say, cause I'm not counting anything after it. Okay. So just for me p2 i'm not counting 3 4 i'm yeah, not yeah. counting
0: any of that stuff. very it doesn't but matter it's just, it's just all we're talking about is the sequel absolutely p2 is it even close well i, I think we'll try to ask that so maybe jim i won't ask you because i want to use this question throughout september but the, i to me like that's really near the top of the list aliens which is next week's episode of com majors is it really yeah, we're doing Aliens next oh, week. I totally forgot cool. about that. Glad you're glad you're paying attention to the uh, schedule. Uh, finally, deep thoughts question. What is the best film trilogy? And you yourself have already eliminated this as a film trilogy. OK, because this is you like to view this as one collective experience. Oh, so,
2: wow. OK, you just turned So it so okay. if
0: you have to think about it, is there anything that stands out to you as a trilogy that's really worth watching or is it like all downhill you know like it it never really fills itself out as well as it should be so i mean for me
2: this is it um but i'm going to take that out of it and i actually did pick a random podcast to re-listen of yours and it made me remember um that i mean i'm going to go indiana jones i don't want to do star wars just because it's too obvious Mm. Um, and I'm going to do Indiana Jones because like you guys agreed then four never happened. And I hope they don't, I hope five keeps getting delayed. And, um, I loved the bookends of Raiders to, um, to last crusade and throwing a little, uh, temple of doom in the middle.
0: Yeah. Temple of doom is not a bad movie. I, I like, I no, often say to different. people it's a pretty damn good movie. It's just that Raiders is a nearly perfect film. And I feel like, La- Last Crusade might be my favorite movie, and I feel like that hurts Temple do of that. Doom, whereas if we just had Temple of Doom, we'd be like, "No, Temple of Doom's amazing. Like it's hurt in and comparison the to the other films. You can watch
2: Temple of Doom begin to end on its own, without seeing Raiders and without so that is a
0: true you know sequel versus the Two Towers yeah. which will dance yeah. no something. Yeah, great choices. Absolutely. Um, does anybody have any recommendations? Has anybody been reading or watching anything that they've been people watching? Need to know um,
1: about? I've been watching uh, The Alienist on HBO Max, which is based on a book by Caleb great, Carr, which I like that book. book. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's a great I, I really enjoyed that I book. I liked that actually. on TNT. I like it. Yeah, yeah, it's on no, TNT. Was. It's it's, um, TNT. Yeah, it's content. Uh, it yeah, Dakota what's, Fanning what's and all name? that type of stuff. Yep. There's a sequel Baron book, to that, by <laughs> the way. Yeah, there's a sequel book to that, by the way. Yeah, I read that too. And yeah, I'm, I'm assuming okay, that's what the, the second movie. season is about. I think so. I think that's the continuation <laughs> of it. Very good. Um, I want to hear about your recommendation of uh, Enemy at the Gates. Uh, Enemy at the Gates. That's an
2: interesting
0: one. Uh, well, that's no, this is the this is the book Enemy at the Gates. The movie Enemy oh, at the I'm Gates out. I also love. But Kyle Mills, you know, Jim and I and Katie have been on No Limits, the Mitch Rapp podcast. Which has been carried on by Kyle Mills. That book is being released this month. As we have discussed on the show, I get advanced copies of it. This, I almost wanted to send my advanced copy to Jim because I think this is seriously maybe one of the best written ones I've read. And there's 20 books. This is like a next, le- it will be in the, I'm going to tell you right now, it will end up being the New York Times number one best selling book. And sometimes, like, these franchises, like movie franchises, just become number one because of the name of it. Yeah. This book is legitimately that good. By the way, also watch... Uh, Jude Law and Joseph finds an enemy at the gates, the movie, which is also a fabulous <laughs> movie. Uh, so we can do a double. That, that. was an interesting one because I really, really liked it, but I didn't want to see it because no, no,
2: I didn't it, have it, to root for. No, right. that's it like a, the Germans versus the Russians. It is, but, like, but it's a real, it is it a really, really
0: it's a shockingly well done movie. Uh, also, yeah. Shang Chi and the Ten Rings is well worth seeing. It, I, I, I have to say this about Marvel, which impresses me. It was a totally different type of Marvel movie. And I have to like, this is like, you know, you get that thing where you see a movie in the theater sometimes and you maybe elevate it more because you've just walked out of it. So I have to think about it a little bit more, but I, I did really enjoy it. Also when we were on vacation, uh, I saw green night, which I really enjoyed as well. And I saw jungle cruise, which by the way, okay. It's on Disney plus. If you want to pay 30 bucks and you have kids and you can all watch it, it's certainly cheaper than going to the theater. It is enjoyable. I like The Rock and I love Emily Blunt, but it's it's certainly, you know, you can wait a few days and it will be on yeah. Disney Plus for free, but it's certainly enjoyable. And a movie Jim loves, and we recommend we might talk about it on the podcast at some point. My criterion pick this week is Brick. I don't know, but I've never seen you, Brick. You recommended it. No, I didn't. Yeah, you put it on one of the films you thought we should do for the show. I know, but it's because I haven't seen it. and I heard it's oh, great, fabulous. It's on Criterion. Absolutely, well, I assumed you like liked it. It was. It's, That's it's a amazing. Ryan Johnson, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's it's fabulous. True, uh, thank you for coming on. We yeah, will thanks, Drew. absolutely. That was awesome have you back. Uh, now we know some movies we can have you back for. Actually, there's, <laughs> by the way, there's no way that we can't have you back for return of the king. So right. whenever we get around to that, we'll make sure that we have you on for return of the king. I will clear the schedule, clear the schedule. Uh, make sure you listen to us. Uh, not only here at com majors, like share, subscribe, yeah. all those fun things. Uh, join us for our Shit's Creek podcast. Do that as well. And we've already teased this sequel. September. I will be coming back with aliens. We also have, because of Jim, Caddyshack 2. That was completely the blame oh. on Jim. And we are torturing oh, really Katie. We are torturing Katie with John Wick 2. I don't know what's more torture Caddyshack 2 for Jim or John Wick 2 for Katie. So one of those two coming up in September this month.
1: All right. All right. Well, Bye, everybody. Nice see everybody. Thanks.